I love that song. I love that we are beginning to sing that prayer as a church, as a community. It brings such hope in the sense that God doesn't waste anything, even in the pressing and in the crushing and in the disorienting seasons of life, that he will take it and bring something beautiful. That there's new wine, that there's new life, that there's new freedom, and most importantly, that there is new power available to every single one of us. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, power. We're going to talk about the power of thankfulness. We understand the power of saying thank you. All of us, I'm assuming, were taught this as kids. You remember those moments at birthday parties or Christmas where all the friends and family would arrive and they'd walk in and everybody would gather and find their seats eventually and all the presents would be beginning passed around at Christmas and ultimately it would come to you. And Aunt Sue, who brought this gift, is beaming, excited for you to open it, and you're thrilled because the box looks like it's about the size of an Xbox, and it feels about as heavy as an Xbox, and you, you open it, and you're excited, and then all of a sudden, you see, really, it's a, a new sweater and a stack of t-shirts, and you're like, oh, and your parents would just kind of look at you, waiting for you to turn to Aunt Sue and say, thank you. That's right. We were taught to say Thank you. Whether the gift was the most amazing thing in the world or a little disappointing, our parents were trying to teach us the value and the power of thank you. And so today, as we walk through this series, I have decided we're going to decide to be thankful people, to experience the power of thankfulness in our lives, the power of saying thank you. We know what it feels like to be on the other side of someone saying thank you, about how that's life-giving to us. We experience the power of saying thank you to others and watch how it changes them. And we understand what a life of thankfulness might look like, how we would feel and experience life as we move through life, that the words would just roll out of us because it's what's embedded deep within us, thankfulness. That in the most joyful seasons of life, when things are going great, when we get the job, when she says yes, when the engagements happen and babies are born and weddings take place, when we get the new car or the house or whatever it is, like we can just have a life of gratitude and say thank you. But what would it look like? What would it look like to be a thankful person? Even when things aren't going the way we think they should or ought to or were supposed to. What would it look like? When we don't get the job or the promotion, what would it look like when all of a sudden we get a call from the doctor that it's cancer? What would it look like when the whole world gets thrown into a global pandemic that no one's ever experienced and confusion and anger and disorientation are raging? What would it look like to be thankful even in that season? Is it even possible? And so that's what we're going to consider today. What would that look like? Why would we even want to be thankful in a season like that? How could we be thankful? And so I'm thrilled that you guys are with us at Friends Online this week. And I want to invite you to to grab your Bibles. If you you didn't sit down with it wherever you're at, this is a great time to just push pause and go grab it because you're going to want to write in it. Grab your technology. I know lots of you guys have your Bible on technology. But turn uh, in the back right after Colossians to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We, uh, we know that this book was written by Paul. It's a letter, uh, one of his first letters that he wrote to a church in Thessalonica. 
And he wrote it to encourage this church as they were finding their way in a very pre-Christian, oppressive world. And in the midst of that, he's closing this letter. And you can imagine he's, he's just trying to get out the last words of advice that he wants them to hold on to and cling to. The last interaction he has with them. And so we're just going to look at one verse. And it's powerful. And I want us to memorize it. Even as we're walking through it today, even as we go through it this week, I want you to meditate on it. I want us to chew on it so that it becomes a part of who we are. Because it will bring power into our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, say it out loud. You've heard me say it twice. I know some of you are alone. Some of you are with people. Just say it out loud. Be th- Guys, give it a shot. Let's go. You're listening to me. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There is a command to be thankful. Paul's last words, final advice, be thankful. It isn't a noun. It's not a feeling. He's not inviting them to feel something. He's inviting them to do something, to be thankful. It's a verb in the present tense, which means it's an ongoing state of being that he expects them to live in. Literally, it means at all times. Be thankful at all times in everything. And inherently, here's what I believe. I think we want to. I think all of us want to be thankful people. I mean, who doesn't want to be a thankful person? Have you ever been around somebody who isn't thankful? Unthankful people, ungrateful people, what happened? We don't want to be around them. Have you ever given great gifts or even not so great gifts and nobody says thank you? You're like, what's the deal with that person? Like, they're just out to grab. They're just out to take. They must be so selfish and arrogant and prideful. They must feel like they des- there's an entitlement in that. And not feel, this week it was crazy. I read an article in uh, the New York Times advice column, came up on my flipboard. And so I read it because it was fascinating. And it was this parent who was venting to this person about how they have written checks to their kids for 20 plus years. Send them out, always make sure on their birthday there's a check in the mail, nothing. They've never heard a word from their kids. And so this guy, he's so angry. He's like, I can't believe how untitled. This is not the way you were raised. What do I do? We don't want to be around ungrateful, unthankful people. And we don't want to be those kinds of people. This is why our parents worked so hard with us to make sure we said thank you. That's why we as parents work hard with our kids to make sure we say thank you. Because we understand that there is power in being thankful. And the whole world knows this. The whole world understands this. It's not just the Bible. It's not just Paul. It's not just God telling us this in his word. The whole world understands that a thankful life is the best life. A thankful life is the most powerful life. You guys can Google it after the service. Go on, just go Google gratitude or thankfulness. Look at all the studies that come up. It's remarkable what you'll see. You'll see that studies show that you live longer, you're healthier, you're happier, you're more kind and compassionate as a person, you get better jobs, you have less wrinkles because you smile more, all of these things. You sleep better. Anybody looking for more sleep, more rest in this season? 
Thankfulness is the pathway to that. The world says that, not just God. And not only that, one of the things I read, it said that thankfulness is the most powerful single source of inspiration that's available to us in our lives. Thankfulness, the whole world. It's who we want to be, and we know that it's powerful. So why aren't we? What happens? Where do we get lost in this? Well, clearly we understand it's not our natural state of being. Our kids aren't born. They don't naturally come out saying thank you. That's why it's trained in us. We see that. And as adults, we don't seem to get much better at it unless we work hard at it. And that's because I believe that saying thank you is an act of vulnerability. Thankfulness is vulnerable. Essentially, saying thank you is acknowledging someone else for, for doing something, for making something happen, for giving you something that you couldn't do on your own. It's empowering someone else to say thank you. And it's difficult, right? Because what if they give you such a great gift? You can't match it. You can't repay it. All of a sudden, we start to compare and like, I could never do that. It actually amplifies even anxiety in us because of that vulnerability. Saying thank you is acknowledging the power in someone else. It's acknowledging the beauty in someone else. It's giving them power as opposed to yourself. And I believe that this vulnerability of thank you is revealed in a couple ways. There's a couple paths that we get tricked into this. The first one is comparison. I don't know about you, but both in my life and what I saw as kids is when Christmas would roll around or you'd get the new toys, all of a sudden, what would happen? They, I, I would think my toys are amazing. I would love them. We'd be playing around Christmas Day, and then the day after Christmas, you start getting outside and hanging out with your friends, and the bike that I thought I had was pretty cool until I saw my friend's bike, and then it's like, I want that bike. That's a better bike than the one I have. Get into the clothes. All of a sudden, I love my new clothes. This is amazing. Thank you so much. These are great. Until you show up at school, and all of a sudden, he or she or whoever has the name brand that you really wanted that you didn't get, and all of a sudden, oh, you start comparing your clothes. They're just not as cool as you thought they were. The phone that you were so excited to get, finally you're connected, you're in the technological world, and all of a sudden, your friend got the brand new iPhone 69 or whatever it is, and you're like, oh, my phone's just not as cool as I thought it was. I think comparison is something that steals our soul. It steals the power of thank you because all of a sudden, we're not thankful for who we are. We're not thankful for the gifts that we have. We compare. And those things don't go away as adults. As adults, we compare about the same things. We compare about, we're excited about the car that we got that's 10 years old, that has 110,000 miles, but it runs and the air conditioner works, which we're grateful for on a week like this, until we see our friend's car and it's only two years old and it only has 40,000 miles and it has seats that cool, not just air conditioning. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my car's not as cool as I thought it was. We're pretty excited about the clothes and the deals that we got online or went to TJ Maxx and it was amazing. Look what I found until you go and see your friends got the coolest, newest things. As adults, it's the same thing. We compare and all of a sudden we're not thankful for what we have. We're not thankful for who we are. We're not thankful for the way we're walking through life because we compare with other people. The second thing that I think steals it is circumstances. And we see this in the passage, but it's pretty easy to say thank you when you get an amazing gift. 
It's pretty easy to say thank you when things are going your way. It's pretty easy to say thank you when you get the job you always wanted, when you graduate from the college you always wanted, when you ask the girl you always wanted to marry and she says yes. It's pretty easy to be, oh, thankful. I'm so thankful in those situations. You feel powerful, but it's harder to say thank you. What about when there's a pandemic that sweeps through not just the country, but even your life on a more personal level? What about when you lose that job? What about when your health is impacted? What about when your relationships start to fray and disappear? What about when you experience a sense of loss or abandonment or betrayal in your life? All of a sudden, the circumstances that made you feel powerful and allowed you to say thankful, say thank you and be thankful so easily, all of a sudden have slipped through your fingers and it's much harder to be thankful in those moments. And yet that's what we're called to, to be thankful in all circumstances. Because thankfulness is powerful, but it's also vulnerable. Is there something, one of those two maybe, that's stealing your thankfulness in this season? Maybe it's comparison. Maybe it's your circumstances. For me, I had a moment this past week with my kids. We took a few days just to be together as a family right before they started back to virtual school this week. And as we were together, we were sitting at a restaurant outside, of course, and we were looking and and where everybody was waiting, there was this dad who was playing with his young kids out in the parking lot, chasing them around. They were playing games, duck, duck, goose. He's making faces at them. They were having the greatest time. And as I looked at that dad, I remembered watching other fathers uh, that were close to me, friends that were amazing dads that would play with their kids like that. And I never did. I played with my kids. I played catch. I taught them how to do things. I helped them through tough scenarios at school with friends. I'd teach them how to play sports, how to catch a ball, how to throw, how to hit, how to run good routes for football. I would teach them those things, but I wouldn't play with them. I don't think I've played duck, duck, goose or water balloon tosses or egg tosses or made silly faces with my kids ever. And I remember my whole life, I would compare myself to dads like that. Even in that moment, I was comparing myself to that dad. And I was feeling insecure. I was feeling powerless. I was feeling vulnerable and weak. And I remember asking my kids and I'm like, I never really played with you guys like that. Do you guys miss that? Do you wish I would have done that more? And they were pretty gracious. They said, no, dad, you taught us some amazing things. You were great. You showed us how to climb trees and how to jump off things without getting hurt, how to fall on our bikes and how to skateboard and how to water ski, how to snow ski. I just, all of those things, there was a sense of gratitude that they had. And it actually just their thank you to me gave me power. It helped me not compare myself for who I was as a father to other people. So what about you? Are you comparing or are you looking at your circumstances and is that stealing your thankfulness? Because clearly the the comparison and circumstances, they steal the power of thankfulness. But the verse says, be thankful in all circumstances. Remember, it's a command. It's a state of being regardless of what's happening. And I know what you're thinking, especially if you're in that circumstances world where it feels like the world is crumbling and totally falling apart. You're saying, Kyle, are are you kidding me? Are you saying that I'm supposed to be thankful for a pandemic? I'm supposed to be thankful for COVID? I'm supposed to be thankful when I've lost my job? I'm supposed to be thankful for the loss I'm experiencing or the betrayal or the relationships? I'm supposed to be thankful for for that pain that's sweeping through my life? 
No. I'm not saying you're supposed to be thankful for those things. I don't believe that's what Paul is saying. And I know that's what God would never say to you. But sometimes we have to pay attention to not the big words in the Bible, but the small words. Because the passage says, be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in them. You don't have to be thankful for them. God isn't that naive, and he certainly isn't that punishing. But there is a way to be thankful in the midst of them. Thankfulness is possible in the midst of the most painful circumstances because thankfulness is what will get you through the most painful circumstances. That's what he's saying. The power of thankfulness. You know it. You experience it. You feel it. We get glimpses of it when we receive something, when we give something away. The exchange of what happens with thankfulness. But we know that it has to be bigger than us. We can't just somehow rally thankfulness even when the world is crumbling. We know that there has to be a power beyond us to hold it because we're not strong enough to sustain thankfulness and gratitude when it feels like the world is just slipping through our fingertips. And the key to a life of thankfulness is right here in this one verse because he doesn't stop there. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You see, the world says you can only be thankful in the good times for the good things. But God says you can be thankful at all times, even through the hard things. The world says thankfulness is a response to the great gifts that you get or the circumstances that go your way. It's only possible. Thankfulness gets paired with joy and with laughter and with happiness. And that's the way the world says thankfulness coexists. It's detached from pain and sadness and loss and confusion and disappointment and all of the other emotions that seem to take up the vast majority of space in our lives as we move through this world, which is why thankfulness gets left by the wayside. But you see here, he says, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Thankfulness is possible for you who are with Jesus. Jesus says thankfulness is a state of being that's possible regardless of the circumstances. Jesus brings the power of thankfulness and he pairs it alongside not just joy and laughter, but he can bring it into situations of pain and sadness and grief and loss. And we see this on display, the unity of thankfulness uh, and, and joy alongside thankfulness with sorrow at the cross. We see these things united in Christ, and they can only be united in Christ. This week, I, I, I read something. Some of you guys have read Streams in the Desert, and it was a book that carried me through one of the darkest seasons of my life. And I remember that there was a reading in there and an allegory about sorrow and joy. And sorrow, of course, was walking through just the dark valley of life. And joy, of course, was experiencing the sunshine and the beauty of the fields. And both of them met at the cross and they saw Jesus. 
And in that moment, sorrow, of course, looks up and sees the crown of thorns and the blood dripping down Jesus' face and the nails holding him to the cross and the scars and the pain and the agony of death. And all of a sudden, sorrow feels thankful because he feels seen. He feels understood. He feels known because that's what Jesus experienced. And joy comes to that same scene and sees the same Jesus with the crown of thorns and the blood dripping down and the nails in his hands and feet and the scars and the pain. And joy experiences the victory of that moment that's taking place as Jesus is taking on all of the sin and all of the pain and all of the damage and all of the grief that's done for all mankind, including you and me, and celebrates because he sees Jesus overcoming sin and death in that moment. Sorrow and joy united in Jesus at the cross. That can only happen because Jesus in that moment is saying, I understand you. There's not an emotion you'll experience, betrayal or abandonment or any of those things that I haven't experienced, physical pain, even death. I get it. I understand it. And at the same time, he understands victory. He understands celebration. He understands joy. And we see these things constantly on display in the Bible. Even as people that trusted in God's will heard his voice, they would constantly walk with thankfulness and gratitude alongside of sorrow and grief. You could see those two things merge in a way that the world never brings them together. Just go for extra credit. You can read the Psalms. Specifically, go read Psalm 108. It's only about 12 verses. But in this, you see David, the first five verses, just unpacking with a sense of joy, this confident hope that he has in Christ, this sense of life that he's bringing, and ultimately saying, I'm so thankful for who you are, God, I praise you. And then there's this almost page turn of emotion as he begins to unpack his anger and his sadness and his pain. And he says, why won't you rescue me? Why won't you rescue your people? Where are you? Why have you left us alone? Why won't you pull us through or pull us out of this anguish? Why won't you answer me? Why won't you save us? The same psalm, the same person, and the same God. Thankfulness and sorrow going hand in hand. Only God's will for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus can live lives of thankfulness that are sustainable through any circumstance that we experience in this life. Thankfulness is always possible as long as our lives are empowered by Him, by His life, by His death, by His resurrection power at work within every single one of us. And I love that this is regardless of the circumstances, but I love that God doesn't ignore our circumstances either. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know that God causes everything to work together, not just the good things. God will take everything and cause it to work together for the good of those who love God. He'll take everything and bring good. Remember the cross? Remember what we just talked about? That was the moment that Satan, that evil thought, we won, we've done it, we've killed Jesus. Until the resurrection, Easter was coming. And then all of a sudden there's life, there's hope, there's thankfulness that's possible. Death thought it had won, but life and freedom was right there present. 
Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In your joy, in your celebration, in your good news that you're getting in life, celebrate. And even in your pain, in your sadness, in your loss, in your grief, you can be thankful that Jesus is present, that he sees you, that he's with you, that he understands you, that he will bring you comfort and peace and hope and strength and even grace into your life when you desperately need it the most. And so even if, even if the world feels like it's crumbling right beneath your feet, even when you get the call from doctors, even when you lose your job, even if someone walks out the door and abandons you, even if relationships start to fray, even if Jesus, Jesus is here. He's with you. He sees you. He understands you. And his power of bringing thankfulness into the midst of sorrow will see you through whatever it is you're walking through. I've seen this. I've lived this. I've experienced this in my life. I love the last song we sang right before we started talking about new wine, about God taking the most painful, desperate circumstances of our life and bringing something new and beautiful and powerful in our lives and through our lives. We can be thankful along the way. That's the promise. God, a good, loving Father, calling us to live powerful lives of hope and gratitude. So how do we do this? How do we live as thankful people? Well, if we want to be good at something, what do we do? We practice. It's a discipline, just like anything else in life. So I'm going to invite you guys to practice something with me today and every day this week. Not the year, not even the month. I just want you to practice this with me today and every day this week. And here's what it is. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We're going to thank two people this week. One of them, first and foremost, of course, is... God, because it begins with him. Everything begins with him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. And so right now, wherever you're at, hopefully you have a pen and a pencil, you're taking notes, you're listening to God's voice, you're writing it down. But if you don't, I want you to think about this. You could even put it in your phone if you've got that with you. Start with acknowledging and thanking God. And I want you to do it two things, do it two ways. The first one is, God, thank you for being blank. God, thank you for being blank. And the reason that's important is because it's about his nature. It's about his character. It's about who he is as opposed to just what he's done. God, thank you for being loving. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for being gracious and forgiving. Thank you for being present. Thank you for for being uh, loving and gentle with us. Whatever it might be, God, thank you for being blank. And the second thing is, God, thank you for blank, whatever. God, thank you for your provision and the way you provided a new job. God, thank you for the new friendship that I have. God, thank you 
for the surprise of a new job. God, thank you that we got to start school again this week in a new way. God, that whatever it is, God, thank you for whatever the circumstance might be where you see God's hand in your life. God, thank you for being, and then God, thank you for blank. The second thing we're going to do, we're going to say thank you to the people around us. And so here's what I want you to do. Take out your phone. Take out your phone. Okay, take out your phone, Steve. Take out your phone. Guys, take out your phones. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to open your texts. And I want you uh, to think of a person. The first person that comes to mind. The first person that God puts on your heart, however you want to say it. But I want you to think of a person and I want you to text this person. And I literally just want you to say, I am thankful for you because... Text someone, say, I am thankful for you because. Got it? Okay, pencils down when you're done. Some of you are old enough to remember the SAT. So here's the thing. I want to invite you guys to do that every day this week. First thing when you wake up. Starts with God. God, thank you for being. God, thank you for. Just write it down somewhere. Journal it. And then you grab your phone and you think of a person and you say, I am thankful for you because. Because how did that feel when you sent that text? I don't know about you, but there's a sense of vulnerability to it. There's a sense of giving away some power. There's a sense of trust, opening your life to someone. And at the same time, there's a sense of power that comes from it. A sense of, yeah, that's who I want to be. And imagine what just happened. So realistically, there's thousands of you watching this right now. And by you, it's not just a device. There's thousands of people around every device. There's watch parties, there's families, everybody's paying. And right now, we had thousands of people just send out a text saying, I'm thankful for you because. Imagine what that's doing to someone's soul. It's giving them power, gratitude, thankfulness. Imagine what would happen if we did that every day, just every day this week. Imagine if some of those people who didn't even listen to this message, have no idea what we're talking about, decided to do the same thing. The ripples of thankfulness and gratitude that would start to happen in and through not just our lives and our families and this county, but maybe even start to change this world. You see, that's the power of thankfulness at work in our lives. That's what Paul and God are inviting us into when they say, be thankful, be active with your thankfulness. Say thank you. Remember to say thank you to me and remember to say thank you to one another. So this week, let's decide to be thankful. Let me pray for us. If you would, just close your eyes right where you're at. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you 
for your love and your care and your grace for every single one of us. Thank you that before we ever even knew you existed, you had already sent your son Jesus to the cross to hold every emotion and sadness and grief and pain we might experience, but also to bring victory and life and hope and thankfulness into our stories, that we get to live lives of thankfulness that might startle the world around us. So I pray that you would help us as we go today and this week. God, well, the first thing when we wake up every day, may we think of you. May we say thank you to you, God, for your grace and for your love and for your care and for your compassion and for your forgiveness and even for your life and your breath that you give us. Thank you for the circumstances that you've given us, the way you're protecting and providing and leading and guiding in this season. And God, would you put someone in our minds, someone on our heart that we can text and say, I am thankful for you because... And God, I pray that and believe that through the power of thankfulness in our lives and that getting lived out tangibly through the world, that you will be seen, that your light will shine. And so we look forward, God, to the stories that you're going to write in and through us this week. And we pray this in the power of your name. Amen.